Hello, and welcome to another episode of Under the Radar SFF Books Podcast. My name is Blaze. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you may be listening around the world. If you like the content I create, please hit that subscribe button, like, follow, retweet, and be sure to leave some comments. It helps me grow not only as a person, but as a podcast creator, and it really means the world to me. Today I'm looking to discuss my first episode in the mini-series I'm doing about fantasy and sci-fi genres, what their origins are, the authors responsible for it, and what it means to us today in the community. And the first episode I'm looking to publish has to do with classical fantasy. Now when you hear the word classical fantasy, your first thought probably is J.R.R. Tolkien with Lord of the Rings. And that's where we're going to start for this episode. But if you really think about it, the origins for Lord of the Rings and the influence for Tolkien start way before that. Tolkien was influenced by the poetic Edda, and that's also known as like the Scandinavian epic poems, when you hear about Loki and Thor and Odin and Thor's hammer and all those wonderful aspects that we've seen recently in the Marvel films Um, the Avengers and Thor specifically. Tolkien was so enthralled with these types of stories and the atmosphere and the sense of wonder they created that he wanted to make his own story known and what we know Tolkien to be is a grand magician when it comes to prose, world building as we come to see in Middle Earth not only through his works but also the works of his son as well as the Lord of the Ring movies directed by Peter Jackson and the many awards that they have won over the years. So with J.R.R. Tolkien being our starting point, it's important to know exactly what we mean when saying classical fantasy. Now the definition of classical fantasy, if you look it up, is a type of historical fantasy drawing on ancient Greek and Roman history and mythology. Now what does that mean? Well, my interpretation of that means what aspects of ancient Greece and Rome do we think about whenever we hear about ancient stories or any type of historical fiction or any type of alternative history novels we may read is that ancient Greece and Rome are known for their mass armies, known for their warfare, known for their generals, known for their political and democratic election system. They're known for their philosophy, and they're known for many more things along the way. Tolkien drew upon all of those history and mythological poems and influences of Rome and Greece, and he turned it into his own world. He introduces us to new races, uh, the elves and the dwarves and dragons. Tolkien also had the wherewithal and creativity to make up his own language, the elven language, which you hear very clearly in the movies, but also in the, in the books as well. Just going through it, the amount of foresight and the amount of thought and how long it must have taken him to invent this language is just jaw-dropping to say the least. And that is a testament to the type of writer, creator, and historian that Tolkien was. Another thing worth noting in a classical fantasy story is the introduction of magic. Now, for modern fantasy readers, we are used to seeing magic in some way or form, but has a defined set of rules. The best um, example I can give of this is Brandon Sanderson's um, Mistborn series. It has to do with the digestion and ingestion of metals. And each metal, when it's burned through the body, creates a different type of strength. 
If you burn pewter, you get very, very strong. If you burn iron, you're able to push on metal. And if you burn steel, you're able to pull on metal. This is used for transportation and stuff like that. The possibilities can be endless with what type of magic system you want to create, but they usually have a defined set of rules. Tolkien, with his magic, and you can see this with Gandalf and the other wizards, uh, Saruman, for example, they have magic, but it's not clearly explained as to where the magic comes from, how you become a wizard, what rules are in place. They don't have any of that. It's just kind of loose in the world, and it's up for the reader's imagination as to what the possibilities are. And I tend to like this type of storytelling. Uh, I don't like the magic being kind of like hindered down by rules, even if it makes for a better story. And just to be clear, Brandon Sanderson is in my top five of my favorite authors. The Stormlight Archive series is a living masterpiece, and it'll only get better from here. But just something to keep in mind. But all these ideas and influences would not have been made possible and turned into this masterpiece we know as Lord of the Rings without the skills and literary genius of Tolkien to begin with. His writing style and prose is some of the most beautiful creation you could ever come across in liter literature, any type of fiction you can put in front of anybody. Now, when a modern reader picks up um, Fellowship of the Ring for the first time and they start reading Tolkien's work, they kind of see it as an old type of writing style, kind of dry and very difficult to digest because we've been conditioned over the years to expect the story and writing style and the narrative flow to go a certain way and this is a complete opposite from what we've grown accustomed to so it can be a little bit jarring and sprinkled throughout the works are he'll just do a stop and he'll introduce a character usually Tom Bombadil and he'll just go on for pages and pages and pages um, singing a song and it's very enjoyable to read, but it can just set you aback as to, wait, what am I reading? Is this a is this a song? Or are we talking about Frodo going to Mordor to put a ring in a volcano? So it's something that should be kept in mind. But if you can stick with it and write it out, it'll be one of the best stories you'll ever read. Now, for the sake of this discussion, let's just call... Tolkien, the godfather of modern fantasy, and how all of his influences, inspirations, has just been a blueprint for modern fantasy authors going back at least 25 years, and this has made modern fantasy what it is today. And I'd like to go through a couple of authors who kind of took the Tolkien blueprint with Lord of the Rings and kind of wrote their own stories a little bit too close to the chest and then we'll just go into some other authors who went a little bit of a different path and then we can talk about some uh, under the radar types of classical fantasy stories that I've read recently and hopefully you guys will enjoy as well. Now the first and probably the most obvious example I can give is Terry Brooks. Terry Brooks is the author of the Sword of Shannara trilogy, and then he goes on to publish more books in that world. But the influences of Tolkien are obvious from the get-go. Um, the Sword of Shannara is um, a story about a dark lord and how there's a chosen one who has to go on a quest. He has a mentor, like a Gandalf influence. There are dark elves, there's magic, there's politics, and it, it's almost a carbon copy of Lord of the Rings, although there are differences in the story. So 
That's a story I actually read and I quite enjoy. Like if you can get over the hurdle, like this is almost exactly like Lord of the Rings. It turns into a good series, but that's one thing to keep in mind. The next example I like to talk about is the Dragonlance series. Now the Dragonlance series is taking place in the Forgotten Realms, which has been expanded upon through many, many authors. One example is R.A. Salvatore and his novel and series written about Driss the Dark Elf. Now, Dragonlance series is about dwarves, humans, wizards, dragons, and it just takes the influence that Tolkien put forth in Lord of the Rings, and it just runs with it, and it creates its own many, I think it's over 25, 30 book series that has grown on young readers for at least going back the past 20 years. So that's another example. And the final example I want to talk about is Terry Goodkind and the Sword of Truth. Now, I haven't read this series myself, apart from the first book, Wizard's First Law, but it's pretty much exactly a carbon copy of Fellowship of the Ring. Um, even though the series has gone on and on, and rest in peace, um, Terry Goodkind, he passed away recently. I believe it was over a year ago. So my condolences to his family and all of his fans, wherever they may be. I want to do a quick run-through of some of the classical fantasy books that I've grown to love over the years that have a clear influence from Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, but do something slightly different. Different And my first example I want to go through is The Rift War Saga by Raymond E. Feist. And the first book, and probably the most famous one in the series, is Magician. Now, Magician takes all the aspects of a classical written story. There are kings, there are castles, there's prince and princesses, there are wizards, there's knights, there's dragons, elves, and dwarves. Everything incorporates in it. But the one twist he introduces is that the land is being invaded by these foreigners. Now, no one knows where these foreigners are from. They wear different armor. They have different swords. They wear different clothing. They speak a foreign language. And there's going to be slight spoilers for Magician, but it's been out for so long, I'm sure everyone knows about this, is that these um, foreigners are from a different world and they're able to come through into the world that our characters inhabit through a rift. It's actually done by a machine. Um, and that's the twist that he introduces into this classical world. And for the time, it was very revolutionary. So um, Magician will always have a place in my heart as to introducing something different, but still holding that classical feel and holding the classical tropes and values that we all have grown to love. The next one, and probably one of the most famous authors in the fantasy genre, is Ted Williams, uh, Memory, Sorrow, Thorn. Now, this series has been on my radar to read for the longest time, and I actually did finish the first book, The Dragonbone Chair. takes all the fantastical elements of classical fantasy with castles and kind of a chosen one, and um, his upraising, he's actually an orphan. He's being raised by one of the castle uh, maids. He gets introduced to the king and one of the wizards, and he's thrown off on a task. But there's, a, there's different creatures. There's different language in this story. There's history galore. And Ted Williams' prose is probably one of the most beautiful, um, poetic, and... Um, 
very interesting styles you can ever come across. And if you haven't read um, Tad Williams' work, highly recommend it. You'll never read anything else like it, and he'll probably be in your top 10 favorite authors going forward. And I can't mention classical fantasy authors without mentioning one of my all-time favorites by the name of David Gemmell. Now, David Gemmell, may he rest in peace, is known as the architect of heroic fantasy. He is renowned for his flawed characters, putting his main POV characters through hardships, loss, and betrayals pretty much very early in the story and asking them a question, how will you go from here? What choices do you make that will influence how the rest of the story will be told, how it will influence the people around you, the relationships that you've had over the years? Is your destiny worth pursuing, given the cost that you have to suffer and the cost to your people that you're going to have to entail? And what is on the horizon? These are the hard questions that David Gemmell asks. And to this day, David Gemmell is the author of one of my favorite books. It's called Legend. Um, and he wrote this actually when he was diagnosed with cancer, only to be discovered later down the road that he never had cancer to begin with. And on and on his writing career went, even though he has passed away since. And may he always rest in peace. I actually just finished one of his most famous works. It's the Regante series. And the first book in that series is called The Sword in the Storm, and I highly recommend it if you have never read David Gemmell. That's a fantastic place to start. It'll absolutely blow your mind and set you on a course for wanting to just discover more. And the final example I want to talk about, and this will become more prevalent with the release of the TV show in November, is The Eye of the World, written by Robert Jordan, and the first book in the Wheel of Time series. Now, The Eye of the World starts off as almost a carbon copy of The Fellowship of the Ring. There's a group of characters in a small town. They're met by a person who has magical abilities, and they are thrust on a quest. And throughout probably, I'd say, at least the first book, probably a little longer, it's, it's almost an exact derivative of Tolkien's work. And that has been well known for decades. That's one of Robert Jordan's biggest um, adversities with this series. Um, but the big thing to keep in mind is that with each consecutive book in the series, it 100% turns into its own special and its own unique world and just takes on a life of its own. So don't judge the eye of the world based purely on how much the influences are taken from Lord of the Rings. Judge it based on the characters, judge it based on the world building, judge it based on the pros, um, and then you'll be fine. My own personal opinion on Wheel of Time, it's a very good series. It's just not one of my all-time favorite series. The biggest hurdle was getting used to Robert Jordan's prose. He'll be very descriptive, very detailed, and it'll go on and on for many, many pages. And if I'm being honest, if I didn't have the audiobooks, I probably wouldn't have gotten through the series. But at the end of the day, I am very glad that I did. I hope the TV show sh proves that this series is one for the ages, that it is definitely something that the younger generation and current generation will love. And I 100% look forward to it and highly recommend it to anybody looking to, for those types of stories. 
So that's a rehash of where classical fantasy has been, but what about today? How has those types of influences affected how writers write classical fantasy books today? And there, are there any of those types of classical books that have gone kind of under the radar? And there are a few that I have read, and I'll make a note of it to introduce them here on the show for those of you who may be interested in something like that. The first one I want to discuss is probably one of my favorite books that I've read. Um, it is called Dragon Mage by M.L. Spencer. Dragon Mage is 100% a classically written story, and then it gets more epic the bigger it is. It was only supposed to be a standalone, but with the popularity of this release, uh, the author is releasing a sequel, I believe it's early next year. The story revolves around a character named Aram and his ability to see the world in a different way. I believe the character was written kind of a person on the spectrum and how he can see certain patterns in the world and over time this develops into a type of magic which is sought after by knights and people who want this power. And he also has a um, best friend called Marcus who ends up being very important and these two characters together probably develop one of the best bromances I know I'm using that word on a podcast but one of the best bromances in the fantasy genre so I would 100% love for everybody to pick up that work and give it the love and affection that it deserves another example of classical written fantasy in today's modern age is actually one that I read about six months ago I will say and that is Seven Deaths of an Empire by G.R. Matthews. This book is classical fantasy to the T. It has so much influence, it's taken from Magician by Raymond E. Feist. There's only two viewpoint characters, the Magician and the General. There are elves, there's an emperor who's been killed, there's... uh, mission, there's politics, it takes everything we love about the classical fantasy and introduces it to a modern um, readership. And this is one that I definitely recommend if you're looking for an under-the-radar type story. The next one I would like to discuss is actually I finished it about two days ago, and that is Of Blood and Fire by Ryan Cahill. Um, he is a author from, I believe he's from New Zealand, And he released this classical story. It is about uh, magic. It is about um, strange creatures invading a land from long ago and that they've returned after they've been extinct for several years. Um, The the emperor or like the person in charge has his own group of evil uh, dragon riders and the dragons are now used for evil where they once were used to protect the land. And one of the main characters is tasked with um, having vengeance after his family is attacked and the story only evolves from there. I'm not going to get into it because that would be going into spoilers, but that's one more I recommend. And to leave it all off, the final one I want to talk about is actually kind of a fun story. On my writing blog, I received a review request from D.B. Bray. Now he is the author of The Loners. Loners is a story about a mercenary group run by a dwarf named Jari Rockjaw 
and he and his group of mercenaries are bounty hunters to the highest bidder until Jari wants to retire. Then he is approached for one final job where the payout would be enough for him to retire a happy man, or I should actually say a happy dwarf. And his mercenary groups are a bunch of other dwarves. There's a minotaur named Bertha. It just has a lot of fun um, moments, and it has a lot of funny uh, banter. And it's just a great kick-ass time. So if you ever want something to just sit back and have a great adventure and a laugh in the process, then Loners is the one for you. And I actually have a review up on this on my blog. So be sure to check that out. And with that, I think I'll wrap up this episode. Just remember that classical fantasy is not just a subgenre of the past. It lives on into this very day um, because the influences of the people who came before and Tolkien and everyone who came after him still has many influences that are very prevalent. Um, they're not that hard to find. Um, if you enjoy these older types of stories written in modern form, you will always be able to find them if you know where to look. I hope you will join me on continuing this subgenre series next time. So thank you again for joining me. I hope you have a pleasant evening, day, morning, wherever you may be listening. And of course, as always, cheers.